Texas running back Bijan Robinson. And this is pretty much the perfect run you can have. He's very patient initially, but has plenty of burst once the pin pull comes across here. And he makes a little bit of a hurdle action. He also can get really close to the ground on that cut move, runs with a little bit of power at the end, and obviously has his natural like five-star ability with his athleticism. Love these gap runs. Love him following these pullers and blockers. What we always say about running backs and what separates them, the good ones pick up the yards block for them. The great ones create yards in their own. And this is why, simply put, Bijan Robinson is great. I mean, just that fluidity, like you said, to hurdle near the line of scrimmage, the long speed to pull away from the defenders, and then breaking that final tackle in order to turn, you know, what could be just four or three points inside the red zone into six points in the end zone makes all the difference. And for a 5'11", 215-pound running back who just turned 21 years old, with a 4-4-6-40, a 1-5-4, 10-yard split, great jumps, no agilities at the time of recording. It makes sense, Hayden, why Bijan Robinson is the unquestioned running back one in this class. He broke the most tackles in PFF's database of all time, 104 of them last year. His feet, I think, are excellent, and he also runs with power as well. 4.2 yards after the contact is really high up on there. He His power translates, obviously, at the second level. We just saw him shed some tackles. But on carries with three or fewer yards to go, 69% success rate on those two. So we've seen the athleticism out in space. We can see him run with power. And then one of my favorite plays going over any prospect was that route from the slot, the little post route where he goes up there, takes a hit. He looks like a receiver in that sense. And that's where you're going to see this actual bell cow ability from him. The entire NFL is going to split backfields. But with Bijan Robinson, especially, we're going to have to draft him. He's going to be one of those rare guys like Saquon Barkley that's going to have 300 touches. Maybe 100 of them are targets, and that's what's going to make him total fan fantasy monster. For the sake of this conversation, let's do gush about his skills for like the next couple of minutes and then get into a larger positional conversation after that because it's, it's warranted in this case. You mentioned the forced 104 missed tackles. That's the... David Montgomery record that he broke and, you know, forcing missed tackles, creating yards on your own is really what has worked best from projecting from a PFF standpoint from college to the NFL. It's like the best metric, again, that sustains success. Javante Williams had to go all the way back to Kareem Hunt during his time in college. And then on top of that, though, it's the long speed. It's not just winning in a phone booth like we've seen, I don't know, from Najee Harris. You know, it's the 22 carries of 15 plus yards that ranks ninth. And you mentioned it where he is being projected or mocked. And again, we're going to have that longer conversation. You have to win the receiving game too. You have to be out there in every single scenario. I would say his raw receptions aren't that big in terms of 19 receptions, 26 receptions and 15 over the last three years. But you go back to that game against Oklahoma. There's that spinning catch along the sideline. Another one against Alabama. You see a nice feel for space. You see a nice feel for catching the football in terms of it naturally coming to him. And then you also see some pony personnel usage with him and Roshan Johnson, which we saw a lot last season in the league, namely with the Jets, with Brees Hall and Michael Carter. I think those receiving numbers would have been better if Roshan didn't exist because they would spell Roshan in favor of Bijan. Uh, but even with that, he had 80th percentile receiving yards per game amongst drafted running backs, 97th percentile uh, production when you adjust for his age, like you said, is very young, and the team strength Texas has been decent the last couple of years. Comes out in my model, 98th percentile. So Saquon's like number one for recently. Yeah. 
Then it goes Bijan right next to Jonathan Taylor. And then beneath that, you have like Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, CEH, Najee Harris. The difference, I think, between he's stylistically closer to Saquon than those other guys because I think he has like more receiving skills than like Jonathan Taylor. I think he's a better player than Brees Hall just all around. Uh, and then Etienne, CEH, Najee all have their own flaws. Uh, I think Saquon was just a a tier above when it comes to athleticism. I think Bijan's like a very natural athlete. Saquon's like a workout warrior, absolute total freak. So I think I would put him like in that next tier. Uh, obviously, if you're not talking about uh, positional value, he's a locked and loaded, like blue chip player. I think a really strong prospect, right. uh, but it really just comes down to how much you're paying this guy versus the other people in the class. We know this with receiving usage. So much of it is just screens or swing passes, right? Everything in the flat and creating off of there. Just think of the great Todd Gurley years with the LA Rams. Very, very rarely do you get someone like Christian McCaffrey who can legit like line up in the slot yeah. and be a mismatch when you pull safeties or, or linebackers out there. In fact, last year at Texas, he had just nine snaps in the slot in totality. If he's like the the third or the check down in the progression, he can create on his own. And I love about him that like his lateral move is not sideways. It's almost diagonal. Like it eats up even more ground. And again, I think his vision is great. His feel is great. I don't see indecision at all. I think he's outstanding at gap runs in terms of following his lead blockers and cutting off of them. I think he's good at zone. I think it's slightly weaker in that area. Sometimes I don't know if he presses the front side enough because I think he understands that that backside is Mm -hmm. where the money's at in terms of the long gains. But I have no questions about him as like a pure runner and then as a check down receiver in the passing game. Yeah, my only cons to his game is like what you just said right there and then the elite speed is 447 instead of 44 but that's like nitpicking like we all love right. Bijan robinson i think we can just move on to like where would you take him if you were the gm one statement i want to make is and a question to you could Bijan robinson lead the nfl in rushing and the answer is yes like mm-hmm. he isn't any less talented than josh jacobs not to put down josh jacobs like he's right. among that grouping you yeah. know so if in the right situation they rely on him enough he gets the enough opportunities then yeah, he he is the type that can lead the NFL in rushing. Now, the question after that, because we know he's good, there's no debate in that. Is he rare? Like, is he an offense identity changing player that we've seen in Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, who are, you know, two of a dozen names that have been taken the first round since 2015? I'll name some more going back again to 2015. Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Sony Michelle, Rashad Penny, Josh Jacobs, Clyde right. Rodgers-Lair, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, on top of, again, the Saquon and Christian McCaffrey, yeah. like you're doing. It, it's on this side some, on this side some. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, the only player on a good second contract on, at that time of those dozen names is Christian McCaffrey, the only one at the moment. Right. And even he doesn't come near the prices of where the wide receivers and the edge rushers and even defensive tackle, left tackle corners make. If you're just looking at positions aside from these uh, special teamers, running backs, the top 15 of them, they average only $10 million a year for rookie contracts. Uh, the first overall players gonna be making about $10 million a year. The 31st overall pick, he's going to be making about $3 million a year. So if you're talking about right in the middle, you're getting some value, certainly from Bijan Robinson versus where the top of the market is. But the separation between where the top of the first round uh, running backs would make versus the wide receivers would making that gap gets a little bit wider. So I think I would take him in the very late part of the first round, more of the second round is where I would do it. Obviously, I 
that doesn't make me a hater of Bijan Robinson, but I think I'd roll the dice on some of these like wide receivers. I, I would rather have JSN just because when JSN signs that second contract, I would bet good money that it's going to be more than with the Bijan Robinson contract. And we saw like Miles, you, know, you can get these like actually decent running backs in the NFL for like nothing. And I feel like those numbers are going to continue to decline even the next couple of years too. And it's, it's not just what he can do during his rookie contract because there's no doubt in my mind B. John Robinson is going He's to be bad. productive during his rookie contract. It's even the best backs during their rookie contracts tail off in their second contracts, you know? And now we're not even getting the real four to five year second contracts for these guys. It's really just two years guaranteed or two and a half years or one and a half years. And that's it. Right. And we don't hear from them. They fall off a cliff. Right. Um, now, if if we can just focus, at least what I wanted to do, on what he's going to do immediately, I don't know if he is that offensive changer like Chris McCaffrey, like okay. Saquon Barkley, um, because those guys are just special. Right. They are, I mean, it, and they're totally different types, you know? CMC truly is Swiss Army. I can create a mismatch or I can take this route from third and seven, make the to first the man miss. And then to the house or to the first down. And like, it makes it look so simple. Bijan's just a different player than that. You know, okay. would I stack him up with a bunch of the recent second rounders who have been incredibly productive? Yes, 100%. So I'm glad I don't have to make this decision. I am with you. Like end of the first round territory where, I don't know, the likes of Rashad Penny went 27 overall. Sonny Michelle went 31st overall. Yeah. I just don't think there's a case anymore for teams to say we're a player away. It's the running back. Right. Because we have seen it in free agency. It doesn't matter if you're a year from now, two years from now, you're going to probably wish that you had an offensive lineman or yeah. a pass rusher or a cornerback or a wide receiver that are not available to sign in free agency and to bulk up those spots mm -hmm. with these first round selections. Yeah, completely agree. So I am with you that he's not the Christian McCaffrey. I think he's the next tier. My comp is David Johnson, who there's some like parallels because David Johnson, he, who to be fair, was older than what Bijan is coming into the league, but that rookie contract was special. And then all of a sudden just falls off the cliff. And I hope that doesn't happen with Bijan, but this is kind of the trend line that we usually get with the running backs. And then as it turns of like team fits, this is where I think that he's going to be going Atlanta eighth overall bears, ninth overall Texans, 12th overall commanders, 16th overall. And by the way, the commanders, their GM comes from the Lions. When he was the assistant GM or the actual GM, uh, they drafted six different running backs within the first three rounds over like a nine year span. That's pretty insane. So I think they're well, a fit. And if I can bring up, it's not just their general manager, it's Ron Rivera slash Marty Herney. And if yes. you remember, Marty Herney paid D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart, drafted Christian McCaffrey. Yep. Like there is a lineage, let's yes. put it that way, of running back investments from that brain trust. And they're the team that plays with defense, don't turn the ball over with Jacoby Brissett, and now run the ball with Bijan. He's the last playmaker. Uh, like the that. Bucks makes sense at 19th overall. And then I think the furthest that he would go is the Bengals at 28th overall if they get off of the Joe Mixon contract. But I think middle of the first round is where he's going to go. I don't think I would pull the trigger on that because there are offensive linemen that I would rather have. But for fantasy purposes, I have him like 12th overall in underdog right now. He's right next to the Jonathan Taylors and Saquon Barkley's. That's the tier he's going to be in. We're going to make the debates and the actual final adjustments based off of the roster that's around him. But there's no question. We we agree he's a very good player. It just comes down to For sure. when are you paying? How much are you going to pay him? Where are you going to draft him? And don't get me wrong. Love Christian McCaffrey. Love Josh Jacobs. Love Saquon Barkley. Love a few of these other first round running backs that have gone as of late. It is just so scarce to find players at those pillar positions yeah. 
that when you have the opportunity to take them, you probably need to shoot your shot. Yes. On Austin Eckler, who has scored, what, a billion touchdowns the last couple of years? He's trying to get a team to pay him $10 million right now, and it has been hard for somebody to do that. This is Alabama running back Jameer Gibbs. And you are looking at the best passing down back in the class. He has all the bursts that you need. He can make defenders miss. He could run through arm tackles of corners and safeties. And that's why he's probably going to go early day two and probably going to catch, I don't know, 80 passes for a couple years in a row. 25 receptions of 15 plus yards over the last three years, according to PFF, with 39 missed tackles for us. That leads all running backs, and it completely matches his athleticism at 4.36 in the 40, a 1.51 10 yard split with no agilities at this time, 5 foot 9 and 1 eighth, 199 pounds. Before we go anywhere, I'm sure everyone watching right now can say, man, he looks like Alvin Kamara. So, Hayden, let's address the elephant in the room because he's not Alvin Kamara. He's 16 pounds lighter. Alvin Kamara has been at times a featured back in the NFL. Wasn't at Tennessee, obviously wasn't at Alabama, but personally, despite wearing the elbow tape, despite the short dreads, I refuse to make the comparison of Jameer Gibbs to Alvin Kamara. Do you agree? I completely agree. That's 10th percentile weight among drafted running backs, 30th percentile BMI from the combine. We knew that this was going to be the concern. He still didn't put on that much weight and that how the Alabama used him indicates the same thing that you're talking about. He only had four carries inside that five yard line. Obviously, we obsess over those goal line touches. He only had 10 carries with two or fewer yards to go. He only had 192 touches. Uh, that was his max at the college level, only averaged 13 carries per game. So I'm with you like the the receiving profile is undeniable 94th percentile receiving yards per game. We look at the tape, the burst, the fit, all that stuff makes complete sense here. But Alvin Kamara, what makes him so unique is his balance in that power is really next level. And I think that's kind of what's separating Jameer Gibbs from AK. Go back and read articles that feature Thomas Davis, Luke Keekley, Kirk Coleman talking about trying to tackle Alvin Kamara. And they say his body goes limp and you just fall off of him. Like one of the hardest and most difficult backs to tackle in the NFL. I'm not saying Jameer Gibbs goes down easily. In fact, if you go back to his days, I think it gets Georgia Tech. They asked him to run between the tackles and he showed some power, I would say, and tried to, you know, stay up on contact and create those hidden yards. But I, I just can't get there with the most common comparison out there. I don't know if you saw, but on Twitter, I asked for people's player comps outside of Alvin Kamara and got about 200 responses and they ranged the gamut. It's a fascinating player because like you said, man, is he fast and man, is he swift and man, is that going to come in handy once getting to the outside like we saw on those swing passes out in space or when they get him to the alleys. What we loved about Brees Hall, who was 217 pounds last year coming out of Iowa State was that when you got him to the edge, when you got him to the alleys, he was gone. And it was yep. anticipating angles and defensive backs and running against the grain, so on and so forth. And he did that so well. And I think Jameer Gibbs does the exact same thing. I mean, 15 carries of 15 plus yards. And then again, 25 receptions of 15 plus yards over the last three years. He's a big play, almost CJ Spiller-esque electric offensive weapon, I yep. think, for NFL teams at the next level. So my comps going from worst to best would be like Naeem Hines, CJ Spiller, Tony Pollard, Reggie Bush in the NFL too. So I think that's kind of the plane we're talking about. My model has him at the 87th percentile. That's right next to like DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson, 
Cam Akers. I think that's directionally about the tier that I would put him in as well. But like you said, he's going to be a change of pace guy and going to be an excellent passing down back. Uh, 112 of his 151 Alabama carries were either off tackle or to the complete outside. Now on them, he averaged 6.7 yards per carry. Very good stuff. But almost every single one of his runs in this cut up is going to be starting to go to the sideline and then one cut up and then run past everybody. And that's kind of how like Raheem Mostert, for example, like the Shanahan tree where you get like Elijah Mitchell, where their uh, 200 carries per season could be really special because that's where they're going to get him going. I think that he can do that. But on top of that, he's going to obviously catch 50 to 100 passes depending on the offense. Yeah, I think he's much better at breaking tackles on the edge rather than inside or front side. Now, don't get me wrong. If a team drafts him, And at 199 pounds, they say, hey, this guy's going to be our dude. I'm going to be in because if they have that belief in him, then I'm going to have that belief in him. Because again, going back to Georgia Tech, they tried to use him in that way. They tried to use him between the tackles. And I'm not going to say it was a mixed bag of success because he was very successful. But I just want to run through another list of names at 199 pounds that we, the people of football Twitter, have kind of gravitated to and fall in love with. Okay. Okay. James Cook, Andre Ellington, Kendall Hunter. Javid Best, Isaiah P, Josh Ferguson, Justice Hill. Those guys were all around 199 pounds. The hits of that group, Jamal Charles, Brian Westbrook, Chris McCaffrey. So mm-hmm. it's a wide range. Either you are a passing down specialist that we always wonder why a team isn't giving you more opportunities, especially those high value touches, or you are the dude that leads the NFL all time in yards per carry in Jamal Charles, one of the yeah. best passing down players and three down players in Brian Westbrook. And that version now in Christian McCaffrey. So it's basically the NFL perception. I firmly do believe, I'm not going to say there's a bias, but there's just a continued thought that 199 pounds really just isn't enough for you to be the feature back for multiple years. Yeah, and those players that you mentioned, like the high-end outcomes, like Jamal Charles, I think is like a, a different tier of athleticism. And then Christian McCaffrey, we're talking about elite production in college. Jameer Gibbs, when I put him in, he was 50th percentile when it comes to PPR points per game because he just didn't get the rock enough. And if you look at some of the market share stats and stuff, he even performs worse than that. Now, I'm willing to throw some of that out because he did go to Alabama. We've seen some running backs that have been in committees there, and we know that he's going to be in this kind of uh, change of pace uh, passing down role. But some of those other guys that we're talking about, like game-changing fantasy superstars, they had the bell cow usage that Jameer Gibbs just quite frankly did not have. Yeah, Westbrook at Villanova, like you said, CMC at Stanford was just a beast. And that's, again, not saying that Jameer Gibbs isn't talented. He has, again, Mm -hmm. electricity flowing through his body. I mean, he leans away to make those edge or, or fill players miss in the alleys that head faked the outside, then cut back inside, uh, even as a runner, or I should say as a receiver. And he was split out in the slot about 11% of his passing plays this, this year. You see that hesitation move at the top of the route, then s- swim or slap over it to create separation. Again, he has a natural feel for that. Mm-hmm. But once we get to the NFL and for fantasy football, we care so damn much about six points and high value touches. And what were those numbers again? Just a handful of opportunities. Four carries inside the five yard line, 10 carries in two or fewer yards. And they were choosing like he was clearly very good at Alabama. And Nick Saban was saying, I want the other guy in there. So and I would recommend everyone going back and watching Jameer Gibbs at Georgia Tech. Like I think that opened my eyes a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Saw it against Virginia and Virginia Tech and Miami. Some huge, huge plays both in the rushing and receiving game. I, I have a suggestion for you. All right. Let's make it a prediction. In fact, can't you see this type of back always on a Sean Payton offense? You know, 
And he yes. doesn't have someone like this in Denver right now. Obviously, they went out and signed oh, Samaj no. P. Ryan. Javante Williams coming off a multi-ligament injury. Okay. Even though we love him. They have picks 67 and 68 back-to-back in the third round. I predict Jameer Gibbs does not make it past pick 67 or 68 because Sean Payton always loves, always mm-hmm. loves this type of back on his roster and utilizes them in a really positive way. I know, I know the Dolphins don't have that many picks, but like I can see him in that coaching tree as well, just because I, I, I see those like off tackle outside zone runs where he can just burst it upfield. And I like him kind of in that fit. Now, another thing where that weight becomes an issue a little bit is in pass protection because you just don't have the mass to hang in there. And according to PFF, he was 217th out of 251 college running backs in pass block grade. And because he's playing in the slot so much, he was only 163rd in reps. And he's coming out young, which is a good thing. But he does not have much experience because that Georgia Tech offense is not a normal offense. We're talking about kind of just funkiness going on where you're not going to have traditional pass blocking reps. So we're talking about a passing down guy that does not do the thing that frustrates fantasy managers a lot from these rookie running backs. So that's a, a little underrated concern with the weight. So... I put him an early third round grade for me. I think he's going to go or 68. I think he's going to go earlier than that, just based off of where everyone ranks him. And the fantasy community loves him on underdog already. He's going in that 50th, 60th, 70th overall range. And I think that's okay. I think that he can be a fantasy RB2, even with this weight and some of the concerns we're talking about. I can also see this where the hype goes out of control with him. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get there just because some of this like short yard stuff. I don't think an NFL team is going to draft him to be the dude like they did, you okay. know, with Javante or Brees Hall and those guys. Alvin Kamara wasn't drafted to be the dude. You know, mm-hmm. with the Saints, they had Mark Ingram on the roster. They even had Adrian Peterson, who they had just signed. You know, he was the the number three back and worked his way up to earn that role. I'm optimistic that Jameer Gibbs, maybe more than you are, okay. can do that. But there's a lot to prove. There's a lot to prove. And I think there's honestly decades of sub 205 pound backs that have to work against this. And yeah. they can sometimes do it for a season. But beyond that, it's when it gets tricky. Okay, yeah. comparisons time. I mentioned C.J. Spiller. I think there might be a little spectrum of some Aaron Jones modern day of Baller. that in him too, but he's yeah. much smaller. He's like about 10 to 12 pounds smaller. But man, just going through my research for this, there was a C.J. Spiller season, I think his third in the league, where he had the fourth most missed tackles forced in the mm-hmm. NFL, only behind like Marshawn Lynch Dog. and Adrian Peterson Dog. and one of their name on like 150 fewer carries. Right. Uh, just lightning in a bottle. And yeah. I, I could see huge big plays and spike weeks in the future of Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, 100%. I, I can see him being Tony Pollard where we're like, give him more touches, give him more touches. And then yeah. when whenever he does get them, he goes to the moon. Everyone goes crazy. And there's always been this hype around Tony Pollard. But even Tony Pollard was nine pounds heavier than what Jameer Gibbs is. So I think both in, you and I really like his tape. We really think that he's going to be excellent in that role. I think that he's probably he, there's a chance that he's better in real life than he is for fantasy purposes. Um, so I'm trying to like have this internal battle of like, where do I rank somebody who I know is good at the game, but does not necessarily translate to half PPR in particular underdog fantasy. We're a half PPR site. So I'm a little bit biased towards that. So I'm fine with him. I just, I don't, I'm afraid of the hype just going to the moon and I'm not sure if I'm there with it yet. Have you ever been on vacation? After a long day of activities or sightseeing, you have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. 
And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals underdog. This is UCLA running back Zach Charbonnet. And I bet you didn't think that he can do this for somebody this size. I think, first of all, his hands are fairly soft, but he can really run through tackles. A little bit of hurdle here. He's not going to be a world beater out in space. But man, this guy is physical, checks the uh, box when it comes to weight. And he was playing passing downs at UCLA. Maybe with the forgotten man among this running back class transferred out of Michigan to UCLA over the past two seasons. And utterly dominated, six foot and three eighths, 214 pounds. Some might smirk at a four, five, three, 40, but look at that 10 yard split. A one, five, three, excellent jumps and poor agilities. But yes, back to back over 1,100 yards, 13 touchdown seasons. And you mentioned it, man. Sure, as a runner, he's a big bully. 53 force missed tackles as a runner, but 15 as a receiver. He has that receiving chops. And that is an element to me, not to get a little spoiler alert here, that brings him into that three down running back territory in a class that might be deprived of those. There's not many of this size that also show that element of explosiveness and big playability in all three phases of the game. He led this draft class in college PPR points per game, which actually translates better than you probably expect right ahead of Bijan Robinson, and he caught a lot more passes than people realize here. And like you said, he breaks some tackles out there. So I think what you were showing here in these highlights is like the baseline, what you're going to get from him. Yeah. He had 4.2 yards after contact. That's really strong for him. His vision is good. His feet are strong. He's not like necessarily like going to get him down, and like move off of him, but he can really get skinny at times and he can make some plays out in open space for a guy that's going to be able to truck stick you. And I think that some of these defenders are so worried about getting truck sticks because like this play right here, bang, bang, shed you again and then bust it off. But really his production profile was off the charts. It was the best in this class, really. And we care so much about high value touches. Who's going to get the ball inside the 10 inside the five yard line score six points. He had 145 carries that ended in a first down or touchdown during his two seasons with the Bruins. And as you said, it doesn't stop there. 37 and 24 receptions over the last two seasons. What I loved is what you said. It's like really good in a lot of areas. And so often we get these player comparisons that are with all pros and Hall of Famers. I'm about to Dr. Frankenstein a comparison for you. Okay. I think he's James Conner. In the receiving game, again, very reliable. Damian Harris on contact, meaning he can win on contact, but he's not a bulldozer. He's not going to run over your face. It's not going to be electric. And then the splash plays, Arian Foster on Ooh. these um, outside stretch runs. 
Aaron Foster wasn't even the athlete that Zach Charbonnet is, at least testing-wise. But put your foot in the dirt with a big body and get up the field. Some of these outside stretch plays where he's reading the blocks and then, again, finding that little crease and that little seam, that's where he's excellent. And that combination of those three, I'm not going to say average players, but not all pro Hall of Fame caliber players, Mm -hmm. as a package, gives me a really, really good runner at the NFL level. My comparisons were like Tyler Algier, possibly James Conner. I think it's like in his baseline comp. And like, if you're really going to dream big, it would be playing kind of like Matt Forte. He's not as athletic as Matt Forte was, but probably more athletic than people were giving him credit for. He came out as a 70th percentile adjusted spark athlete per my model. I put a lot of faith into actual just weight here. And like you said, that 10 split was in the 75th percentile. So he's got a good initial burst and that really led him to be very strong between the tackles. We're looking at just these carries three or fewer yards to go. And these are very important. His vision is good. He had a 72% success rate on those short yardage carries. The vision's good. The power is good. And that's why he's going to be a goal line back. And that's what I'm hunting for when it comes to fantasy football, especially in half PPR right now, he goes like a hundredth overall. I yeah. think that is way too low. In fact, I think that's one of the worst rankings uh, there is in all of underdog right now. I think he's probably going to get drafted somewhere on the round two, three border. That's going to check the box when it comes to uh, production for me, 84th percentile in the model. And I think there's a chance he can, he can become a bell cow. And you can't say that about too many of these running backs in this class. Okay, let's make a bold prediction. I wouldn't be totally shocked if within his first three seasons, there is a singular 17-game span where he outproduces B. John Robinson. Ooh, okay. I I think it depends on landing spots and offense and all that stuff. But I think his all-around game is unlike almost anyone else in this class Mm -hmm. and can be utilized immediately Mm -hmm. once in the NFL. Like, I don't think there's a single thing that Najee Harris does that Zach Charbonnet can't do at this moment. And in fact, I think Zach Charbonnet has more big playability than what Najee Harris has shown at the NFL level. I thought it was a man possessed against Utah. Now this has been glowing reviews. It's not completely positive. Mm -hmm. Like again, there's a bunch of averageness. Like he's not absurdly powerful or a hammer every single time. Most, he kind of just stays up and falls forward. Is his lateral agility outstanding? I I don't think think so. so. We've seen that at times where there's a single safety he needs to beat and he makes about five different moves and, still gets past him. I think the lack of explosion to his game shows up if he's never allowed to get going in the first place. But again, for an overall game, for someone that you're looking at in round two or round three, I would be shocked if he's still around in round four in the actual NFL draft. This is the exact type of pedigree, the exact type of profile that you're searching for, for like a Matt Forte-like career. Yeah. I agree. And just if you go listen to him, this guy clearly has been around the game for so long. Very sharp, knows what he's doing. The Michigan offense and the Chip Kelly offense couldn't be more dissimilar, too. So you're getting two different types of profiles from him. I'm with you. The cons are he is a senior. He's going to be 22 years old, which is fine, by the way. 22 years old is not an old rookie. He's going to be right down the middle there. He did have to transfer out because they went with Hassan Haskins, which you don't love to hear. But that's just the reality. They went with the older guy on tape. I'm with you out in space. He can lose his balance at times. At the same time, though, those corners, I guarantee you, they do not like tackling Zach Charbonnet. I think his biggest weakness is he runs a little upright, and there's been some other backs. I think even Arian Foster at some times would run a little upright too, and that can make him get chopped down a little bit too much. But I think in general, it's just like, to me, for fantasy in particular, 
I want guys that can hold up in pass protection, which he can, who can catch the ball naturally, even though they're big, and who I know for a fact is going to be playing those, those short yardage. My last stat for you, Josh, yeah, he led college football in EPA per carry, and then he was fourth in success rate. I know he's not the guy that we want to be talking up because Gibbs is his highlight tip is just better, uh, Jameer Gibbs. But Zach Charbonnet, do not undersell him just because he went to UCLA. And against an SEC defense back in 2021, there's this third and 10 versus, again, the Tigers of LSU. I think he shocks defensive backs after running this little hook. The stop start, the explosiveness, the speed that he has to like always stay arm length away. And then he creates the first down. There's a lot to like. I mean, very proud of my Dr. Frankenstein of the James Conner receiving game, mm-hmm. Damon Harris on contact, Arian Foster on terms of the zone plays. He's not one of these zone runners that say like Raheem Mostert, who's going to take it oh, to the no. house once he gets the seam. Yeah. But play in and play out that yeah. crease, boom, there's six yards, boom, eight yards, boom, four yep. yards, you know, because yep. once he gets that arm contact at the line of scrimmage or at the second level, He's still falling forward. And if there's a real seam there, if it's like a bend, a bang, a bounce, or a cutback, he's going to read it. And Mm -hmm. I do think he has 15-plus yard carries in his bag when in comparison, some of these bigger backs in recent draft classes, we haven't seen that style from them. So when I put him in my model, he pops out 84th percentile. And that's going to change a little bit once we get the exact draft capital. But the guys in recent draft classes that he's right next to, Antonio Gibson, and I think that Antonio Gibson and Charbonnet, like, they had the same uh, like Antonio Gibson was like the unpolished version of what Charbonnet currently is. Cam Akers is is directionally accurate to Charbonnet, Sony Michelle, and then Josh Jacobs. Those are the type of tier that we're talking about here. So there is some ceiling outcomes here. And I'll go back to make that prediction with you. Since we've seen so many of these older running backs kind of graduate out, we're like worried about Derrick Henry staying. Like Zeke Elliott's been canceled. Like all these older running backs have been dominating. Dalvin Cook's a little bit older. I think Zach Charbonnet is going to be uh, drafted in the first two rounds within the next three years. I just think that he's going to be the guy that's going to be a bell cow back that we are suddenly drafting. And we hope that his landing spot goes to the right choice. But I think we'll learn that late second round, early third round. That's kind of the grade I gave him. Yeah, I mean, I threw out Najee's game in terms of a three down guy who's being relied upon, who's very steady. Mm-hmm. David Montgomery's one of those names too, you know, yeah. like these types of games just translate. Sharpen is more explosive than both of those guys too. I think I agree. Even though David Montgomery fantastic in a phone booth in terms of creating yards on his own. All right, go and subscribe and even hit the notification bell on this channel. We have profiles on a bunch of wide receivers, a bunch of running backs going to do a ton on the rest of this 2023 draft class. And if you want to draft now, all of these rookies Along with all the free agent moves, Underdog Fantasy is the place to do it. There's a link in the description down below, a million-dollar tournament. All you do is draft, and we set your best lineup for you every single week. Draft Charbonnet. He's going way too late. He is going way too late, and we'll see you next time.